Good morning. How good it is to be together this morning in the house of the Lord. It is good to worship together and to gather around God's word together. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 7? Yep, I said Matthew. I told, uh, I, I, I put Luke in the bulletin, but it's really Matthew. Just to keep me humble, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. In my Bible, this is labeled effective prayer. This is Jesus speaking here. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if, you give sinful, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thank you, God. Please be our teacher this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit and help us to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. On July 20th, 1969, people landed on the moon for the first time. Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong took off from the larger ship that they were traveling in, in the little lunar excursion model module and landed on the moon, a momentous history-making occasion. After they got settled and landed, then they prepared to go out and actually walk on the surface of the moon. And the world was listening and waiting for that amazing event to happen. But before they stepped out onto the moon, Buzz Aldrin got on his radio and broadcast this. He said, this is the lunar module pilot. I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening in whoever and wherever they may be, to pause for a moment and contemplate the events of the past few hours and to give thanks in his or her own way. And then he shared a quiet, private time of worship by taking communion up there on the surface of the moon. His pastor had sent a communion kit with him and in the quietness of that lunar excursion module, he took communion as a thing he wanted to do before 
the big walk on the moon. On the edge of a journey that would make history, he stopped to invite the world to give thanks. And then he did it himself. Took a moment to worship and to pray. We are on the edge, church, of a journey. Because God is never done with us yet. God has never finished creating a new future for us. And he always has more that he's pulling us toward in his future. We are on the edge of a journey. God is moving. God is guiding us forward. God has been revealing himself to the leadership of this church and helping us to see our next faithful step. Next week, you'll be hearing more about that in detail. Next week, we'll be introducing that to you in some more detail. We'll get a look together at this fresh vision. It's exciting. We're ready to go. So ready, set, stop. Stop. This week is stop. Stop? Why stop? We're ready. We're set. Why stop? So often our mothers and fathers in the faith that we see in the scripture who were led by God and told where to go, we see often in their lives of faith that they get ready to follow God, they get set to follow God, and then they stop. That stopping is part of going in the life of faith. In Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, leave the land where you have been living and you and Sarah, your wife, go to a new land that I'm preparing for you. I'm not going to tell you exactly where it is, but just get going. Go. And so Abraham takes his family and they leave and they go to this new land that God is going to give them and their ancestors. And as Abraham journeys through the land, he stops. He stops, it says, in Shechem near the oak, the great oak tree at Morah, and he builds an altar. And he worships the Lord. And then we see him go a little bit farther, east of Bethel. And then it says he stops and he builds an altar. An altar is a place to worship and pray and recognize the authority of God. When God's people had left Egypt and were conquering the promised land and God was giving them the city of Jericho and told them that this would be the next step in their journey to take the city of Jericho, they didn't just rush in, but God told them to stop and wait and walk around those city walls. Not one day, not two days, not three days, not four or five or six, but seven days to walk around those walls to stop and listen for the presence of God. At the Jordan River, as all God's people are getting ready to cross, Joshua's leading them, and he says to them, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow we'll do, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Stop and get spiritually ready. Consecrate yourselves, for God is getting ready to act. Jacob, wrestling with God all night long, 
on the shore of the Jabbok River as he's getting ready to cross and have probably his biggest challenging day ever, reuniting with his estranged brother Esau. He's wrestling with the Lord, and he says to him, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. In Nehemiah, we see that as God's people have returned from exile, they're beginning again a new life of living in Jerusalem and worshiping at the temple, starting over again. Nehemiah says, let's stop and get right with the Lord first. And he calls the people together. Even Jesus, as he heads toward his great moment of defeating death, stops and prays on the Mount of Olives the night before. After Jesus went back to heaven again and left his disciples, he tells them, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out to change the world. But he doesn't say, so ready, set, go. Scatter. He says, I'm sending you out to change the world, but wait, wait. Wait together in Jerusalem until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it says in Acts chapter 1, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, about 120 of them, waiting on the Lord together. Before they picked up their suitcases to go, they stopped to pray. Ready, set, stop. That seems to be a biblical pattern for us. And what a great pattern for us as a church body to follow. Before we start this leg of the journey to stop and pray, church, this is our week to pray. This is our week to pray. A.J. Gordon said, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. Does that make sense? Let me read that again. You can, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. Yeah. This is our week to pray. We are calling together a week of deep and focused prayer as a church, for our church, and on behalf of the world that God wants to send us to. And we have these amazing words of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew to guide us as we go. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. I like how Jesus says this to us, not once, but over and over. This, this chapter could have read, ask, and you will receive. And that could have been the whole passage, right? Ask and you will receive. Next verse. But he tells it to us again. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And then just in case we didn't get it, he says, for everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who seeks will find. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened to them. He tells us six times just in case we didn't get it. Six times. Any of you remember learning to swim? 
You remember the terror of standing on the edge of the pool and looking in, or on the edge of the dock and looking at that dark lake water? Do you remember someone standing down there in the water going, it's okay, jump, it'll be fine. Did you jump in the first time? I can remember standing there shivering in my little bathing suit, thinking, if I jump into that water, I'll never make it to the surface again. I'll go so far under, I'll never make it up in time to take another breath. I was so sure that I would drown. It probably took more than six invitations for me to jump into that water. I think Jesus knows prayer can be like that for us. Prayer is hard. It's hard work. And so he asks us six times. He assures us. He commands us. He tells us six times, ask, seek, and knock. It's interesting as you look at these three words. I did some digging around to see what the difference is between those three words. And some commentators who know more about Greek than I do suggest that it's an ascending urgency in each one that we ask and then we seek and then we knock that God is telling us, keep going, keep coming in deeper and deeper. One person said, we ask for what we wish We seek for what we're missing. We knock for that from which we feel ourselves shut out. Well, the point that Jesus is trying to make for us here today is that God wants us to pray. He really, really wants us to pray. He really, 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 really six times wants us to pray. He wants us to pray. We'd probably all agree with that, wouldn't we? If we took a little poll of everyone coming into the room and asked, do you think prayer is a good idea? Probably most people would say, yeah, sure. We all agree with that. And it's one of the things that this church is built on, their belief in the power of prayer. But in all our lives, there's a difference between talking about prayer and believing in the power of prayer and spending time in prayer. That's a challenge in my life almost every day. And I suspect a challenge in many of our lives. And Jesus here isn't just issuing us an invitation. It's really in the form of a command. Grammatically and in the whole context here, he's telling us to pray. He's commanding us to make this a part of our walk with him. All of these words, ask, seek, and knock, in the Greek are present imperatives. Keep on asking, not a one-time thing, but a continual thing. Keep on asking. It's a challenge to us. Why don't we pray more? Samuel Chadwick has said this, I love this quote, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, 
and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. That's convicting to me. And I'm remembering the words that Jesus said last week in our gospel, that we are the church and the gates of hell will not be able to stand up against us. The devil trembles when we pray. In the book of James, we're, we're challenged. James says, we have not because we ask not. Do we really believe that we are commanded to pray? And if so, why don't we pray more? Prayer is hard work, isn't it? You have to stop, which is hard for most of us to do. You have to focus, which it seems like in our busy world gets harder and harder every day. And beyond all the clutter and the distractions of the world out there is the clutter and the distractions of the world in here. And that's louder than anything out there once we quiet ourselves down. And when we stop to pray, we often find that God has some sandpaper he wants to rub on a little rough edge here and there. That's uncomfortable. He has some work he wants to do, digging down deep into some things that maybe we've put the lid on. He has some truths that he wants to reveal in our own lives, and that's hard work. Most of us have a hard time signing up for that kind of hard work. When we sit with the living God and speak with him and listen to him, it's not easy, but it's good. It's life-giving. It is the breath of life in everything that we do. If we don't pray, we are starving ourselves of the power and the presence of the living God. That's why Jesus commands us to pray, not because he loves to see us suffer and work hard, but because he knows it's the source of life and relationship with him. That's the source of life. The devil fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray because when we pray, we get connected to the living God. God wants us to pray. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? God wants us to pray I think the second thing Jesus is telling us here is that God listens to our prayers. He really does. And he assures us here over and over and over that God listens to our prayers. This is a challenging piece of scripture because who of us hasn't come to the Lord in prayer and laid it out before him and then not seen the answer that we were hoping for I think often we come to the Lord in prayer thinking that the only possible answer is yes or no. And if we don't get a yes, we think maybe we haven't been heard. Or maybe we've gotten a yes, but not in our time frame. God's time frame is so much larger than ours. 
we can get discouraged. John Stott puts it this way. So then if we ask for good things, he grants them. If we ask for things which are not good, he denies them. And only he knows the difference. Oh, that's the hard part, isn't it? When we come to the Lord in prayer, we have to come with the humility that says, God, I think this is the right thing, and I'm asking you for it. But only you know. Only you know. Someone has written, I asked for strength that I might achieve. He made me weak that I might obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. He gave me grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. He did not give them so that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of people. I was given weakness so that I might feel a need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I received very few of the things I asked for, but I received the things I had hoped for. God listens to our prayers. He gives us this great little illustration, a tiny little story to help us know his heart. He says, which of you, if your child asks for bread, We'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If then, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He says, parents, you know your limitations, how often you are imperfect and biased and short-tempered, and we would all say, yep, <laughs> that's me. I'm often flawed and imperfect and biased and short-tempered, even with the children that I love so much. But even I would know better than to give my child a stone instead of a Pop-Tart for breakfast, right? <laughs> even I would know better than instead of giving them chicken McNuggets to give them a snake, but God says, how much more in his perfect love for us will he give good gifts to those who ask him? He's showing us his heart here. He's showing us that we can trust him, that he listens to our prayers, that he's on our side, that we don't have to try and shake him and get something out of him. He's not like a vending machine that we put our money into and nothing comes out and we have to shake it and kick it and see what we can get out of it. God's not like that. Listen to how the message version puts this passage. Eugene Peterson says, says it this way, don't bargain with God, be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? If he asks for fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love 
will be even better. God hears our prayers. We don't really understand how that all works. And we don't understand God's wisdom, but we know what Jesus is saying here is that God listens to us when we pray. And he listens with the heart of a loving father. The great Chinese church leader, Watchman Nee, said this, our prayers lay down the track on which God's power can come. Like a mighty locomotive, his power is irresistible, but it cannot reach us without rails. Prayer is those rails. We don't understand the mysteries of prayer, but we know if Jesus is telling the truth here, and we believe his word, that he is, we know that God listens to our prayer. And so prayer is powerful. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That is good news. That is good news. So, are you ready? Should we get set? Are you ready to get ready, get set, and stop this week and make this a week of focused prayer? Let's not ever be a church with prayerless studies and prayerless work and prayerless religion. Let us never be a church that is not on its knees. We're trying to make sure there are lots of opportunities to pray. The altar is open at the end of every service. One of us is down here to pray with whoever comes forward. And it's always open as we're singing. If you ever feel that tug of the Spirit, come and pray. The altar is always open. You can even come and pray during my sermon. I won't mind at all. It's always open as a place to pray. Our prayer room is staffed with people after each service. So if you would like someone to pray with you, it's right there in the back. People are ready to pray with you. Did you know that there are some people who come early, at the crack of dawn, really, every Sunday, and walk through this whole building and pray? I'm sure they'd love to have you join them. We could have a whole army of people walking through here and praying every Sunday. That would be amazing. We have a person on our staff, Mary Alstrom, who will gather your prayer requests. She gathers them every week. If you have something that you want prayed for by your brothers and sisters here, call the church office or send Mary an email and she will put it into our prayer list. And then that goes out to people all over our congregation to pray. If you want to be one of those people who receives that prayer list and you're not, contact Mary or write it in the red box in your bulletin. That's always a good way to get a hold of us. Prayer can happen in the, those kind of ways. Or, or join a small group. Today's our small group fair, and next Sunday as well. All kinds of options for small groups and Sunday school out there. That gives you a ready-made group of people to pray with every week. Or don't wait for a church program. 
nudge the person beside you or find a friend across the room and say, you want to get together and pray? You want to get together on Tuesday mornings and go for a walk and pray every week or something like that? If you look in your bulletins this morning, there's a piece of paper called a week of prayer for our church. Would you pull that out? This is to help us pray this week. I hope you'll take this piece of paper home and that you'll put it someplace where you'll see it every day in your Bible or on your refrigerator or on your bathroom mirror. I've used Philippians chapter 1, a little piece of that, as a guide to help us pray for ourselves, pray for our church, pray for our, our witness in the world. I hope you'll keep that close by you this week and really pray through that. And tonight at 6 o'clock, please come. We're having a prayer event. And this is not something that is hard and serious and only for those who feel comfortable sitting and praying silently for an hour. We're making it interactive and creative and it's good for all ages, kids right up through. But we want to come together as a church and pray and pray because there is power in prayer. Hudson Taylor was a person who was brave in the Lord. He was a missionary Before there were paths for missionaries to follow, he blazed a new trail and went to a place where there's very little known about it. He just let the Lord send him to the ends of the earth. He said this, Since the days of Pentecost, has the whole church ever put aside every other work and waited upon him for ten days that the Spirit's power might be manifested. We give too much attention to method and machinery and resources and too little to the source of power. We want this week to turn our attention in a deep and focused way to Jesus, the source of our power. We don't know what might happen But God says, ask, and we will receive. Seek, and we will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to us. I'm going to take him up on that offer. On that day in 1969, up there on the surface of the moon, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin's partner, took that first step onto the surface of the moon, and he said, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Those famous words. This week, we're invited to take a small step, a step into prayer, and let's see where God will lead us. Will you pray with me? God, it's hard for us to really grasp and believe sometimes how much you want us to pray, how deeply you desire that relationship with us. 
But God, that is really the cry of our hearts, deep down, to be connected to you. So God, we give ourselves to you again today. Please clear out anything that is standing between us so that we can connect with you, listen to you, talk to you, praise you, confess our sins, all those things that prayer is, Lord. We want that relationship of communication with you. God, make us strong. Make us focused. Let us run this race you have set before us with our eyes fixed on you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.